0: So if you have your, your Bibles with you, you want to turn there with us, Exodus chapter 14. And we're going to read together, beginning uh, at verse 5. I'll do a little bit of reading, and today we're going to talk about deliverance. Jesus is our Deliverer, God is our Deliverer, and uh, we know uh, what it means to have a Savior. But often we don't know what it means to have a deliverer. And so there's a beautiful story here that unfolds that shares with us the power of knowing God as our deliverer and walking in that. Opening passage here says, Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled. In other words, he had released them. It's not saying they took off without permission. He had given them permission. They had left. But once he received word that they were completely out of the city, they've evacuated, the last of them is, is gone. This is what happens. He says, And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready the chariots, and he took the people with, all of him, uh, with him. And also he took six hundred Choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over them, every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. And so the Egyptians pursued them, all of the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and "...overtook them, camping by the sea beside uh, Piahirath, before Baal-Zephron. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and beheld the Egyptians, marched after them. And so they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, because there are no graves in Egypt... Have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is not the word that uh, we uh, told you in Egypt saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would be, have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness? And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. So our story really opens up with the uh, Israelites getting out of, of uh, Egyptian bondage or the the, the borders of Egypt and, and moving forward to go and worship God and, and to begin to move towards the land of promise that God has for them. And when you think about this, there, there, are, there are about 2 million people that are heading out of, of Egypt in, and towards the promised land. And, And it happened as we had uh, talked about over these past weeks through a series of plagues that had happened. God uh, not only demonstrated through those plagues his sovereignty over the the creation and his superiority over false gods of the land, but he literally broke Pharaoh's uh, grip on Israel and he changed his heart. It was really a true deliverance of God's people. In 1990, somewhere early 1990s, we took a team with us to Romania and uh, we had been there uh, you know, a, a little over uh, about a week and a half, I guess, in ministry and going to a lot of the villages and uh, doing ministry wherever they, the church uh, was taking us and, and directing us. And in the course of the travels, I ran across the people who had initially introduced us to the ministry there, Uh, under leadership strategies, Del Vinstinas and uh, Gary Carnahan. And uh, they both were getting ready to get on a plane and leave, and they said they had collected some money from the churches, and they had more than you're allowed to take out of the country. And so they said, would you take this and divide it among your team, and, uh, you know, cause you're only allowed to take so much money out of the country. I don't remember what it was. It's, it may have been something like $3,500 per person or something like that. And, um, so, uh, I said, sure, you know, we'll do that. We had a nine member team and it would be easy to disperse that money out. Most of the, the people on my team had already spent their money anyway. So they're leaving the country broke. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, I said, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. So I tucked that money, uh, with good intention into my money belt and we went on with the rest of ministry and then on to the city the final day uh, that we were going to fly out of and we just turned it into a, uh, a day of celebration for the team. They had worked really hard and we wanted them to see the city, uh, you know, Bucharest and, and have a, a chance to, to look around. And so we went a lot of places and rode taxis and ate some food and had some fun. And as you probably can now imagine, I completely forgot about all the money in my money belt. And, of course, as things happen, and uh, I was much younger then, uh, you know, we, we got behind on schedule. And so we're literally running to the airport. We're having to find three taxis or so to get us all there. And we're sprinting, you know, down to make our plane and all this kind of stuff. We go through customs. And, of course, when I get to customs and they start doing the shakedown on me, <laughs> they find my money belt. And uh, they're not happy that... Uh, there seems to be a lot of money in there. And so they take me away from my team and they take me to another room way off in the airport. And uh, in that room, there's a, there's a man at guard with a, with a rifle. And uh, they take me through the door. And in that room is a man uh, sitting behind a desk. And when I come in there and he asks me to remove my money belt and put it on the table and he unzips it and sees the money in there, at that point, he asked me to take a seat, and he pulls his pistol out and puts it on the table. And uh, so you can imagine how intimidated I am. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, I just saw the last of my wife, and I hope I said I love you before I left. I've seen the last of the team and the last of the United States of America, and, and uh, you know, this is the end of me somewhere in this room, you know. And he began to demand an explanation. He, was, he spoke broken English, and so couldn't really understand a lot of what I was saying. I was trying to say, this was meant to be dispersed throughout my team. It's not just my money, it's, it's the money for the team. And I'm trying to explain you know, all of this, and uh, they're having none of it, right? And uh, I know the team was praying, you know, and, and this was going on for what seemed like eternity, probably no more than five or 10 minutes. And uh, at, uh, there, was a, there was a guard that had come inside, uh, a key person, you could tell, and uh, he was standing at the doorway listening to everything that was going on. And uh, he exited, and then he came back. And all of the guy at the t- uh, sitting behind the desk was unhappy with me, so unhappy, and um, was wanting, uh, at a minimum, to keep all the money, right? Just that, that would be the minimum, keep all the money and you go to jail for a while. And maybe we release you later, but the guy that had left the room came back in, and I, I happened to glance over and see him out of my peripheral, and he just uh, folded his hands and he said, shook his head like this, and so the guy uh, behind the desk angrily pushed the money vest back to me, holstered his pistol, and said, "Get out!" in out. <laughs> Uh, I was in a hurry to get out. <laughs> and um, But I can tell you, like anybody who's ever gone through an experience like this, uh, something like this has happened, I can tell you that, you know, uh, and the team was, you know, there were tears in everybody's eyes and prayer had been happening and stuff when I got there. And, and really, I, I barely made it to get onto the plane. They had to have held the plane a little bit. And uh, so we load up and, and we're on the plane. And I can tell you that I was... You know, uh, free, <laughs> but I did not feel delivered. Right? And uh, they fired up the engines on the plane. And I, my whole thoughts I, everybody else maybe is thinking, good, you know, you're safe and stuff like that. But in my mind, I'm thinking at any point these engines are going off, they're loaded, they're The military's coming on the plane. They're taking me back out of here. (laughs) You know, this is going to happen at any moment. I just know this is going to happen. So the engines fire up, and then you begin to take off. Uh, You know, even as I'm telling the story, I'm thinking about Barbara's story. She told me in the military she must have felt the very same way. And it was a lot more difficult situation that she went through. We need that on God Talks at some point. (laughs) Um, When she was in the military in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, Saudi Arabia. Um, belt free, not delivered. The plane takes off, and I thought, I kept thinking, well, you know, at any moment, it's going to be intercepted by you know, <laughs> the Air Force, <laughs> Romania, and they're going to be turned back and we're going to land, you know, because the guy's very unhappy. Nobody was happy about me leaving and getting on that plane, you know. And uh, so, you know, it's, it wasn't until we, we landed in Germany and I got through customs in Germany that I finally was able to go. I felt a little bit delivered, right? I was free, but not feeling like I was really delivered. We understand, for the most part, I think all of us do, that Jesus is our Savior, and we rejoice in you know uh, the the all of the wonders of, of Jesus as our Savior, right? the the forgiveness It feels great. We have that peace. We have that grace. We have that mercy, and and just the, the wash of forgiveness over our lives and, and our in our surrender to Him as the as the Lord and Savior of our life. But often we can be free in the sense of of uh having a a liberty about us through a relationship with jesus christ but not really be walking in that complete freedom and that's what we want to talk about today it would be as if i walked up to a jail cell that you were in and i said to you today is your lucky day they given me the key i'm opening the cell you are free to go and i open the door up and you're sitting on the floor of that cell, and you say, oh, great, man, it's so great to be free. And I walk away, and that door is wide open, and you're just sitting in there going, whew, man, I'm glad I'm free, you know. And you never get up, you never leave that cell, you are trapped there, you are free, but you're not delivered. You're, you're walking in, you can walk into freedom if you want, but you're, you're, you're bound and trapped by and not quite delivered bound by a mindset of slavery and this is what was going on with the children of israel they were they were free to leave but in their minds they were bound by fears and so you see immediately when something comes up that is of any kind of difficulty, um, any challenge that rises up, they start going back to, why did you take us out of Egypt? You know, all of this wouldn't have been happening if you would have just left us alone. Didn't we tell you how, you know, we could just stay here and we could just keep doing what we're doing and at least we'd be alive. Weren't there enough graves in in Egypt that we could be buried there? We don't have to die and be buried out in the middle of the desert somewhere. And so this was what was going on with Israel from the beginning and a lot through their journey as they traveled uh, and and got free from from their captivity. And and they were living in kind of a a slavery mindset, the mindset of a slave. And you can see it down here. We read it just a moment ago, that, that last section. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? the mindset of a slave. immediately we, we rush back to uh, thinking that and we're fearful uh, thinking about the things that were that were involved in our enslavement. and we run back to those things. Those are the norm for us. and, and God was wanting to bring his people into not just salvation from the Egyptian captivity, but into a deliverance. because the, the problem with you just being saved, is you, you will not be on task or on mission. God wants the body of Christ not only to just be in the camp, saved, one of the children of the living God, but He wants you to be a functioning member of the body of Christ. He wants you to function and to fulfill the purpose for which you have been called. God is, is about not only setting us free, but delivering us of a slavery kind of mindset. In response to the the people's lack of faith, Moses tells and encourages the Israelites to trust in the Lord. And notice he he says really five things in this passage to them that are important for them to understand about the difference between just being free and uh, being delivered, right? And he goes through those things. First of all, God destroys the armies of Pharaoh. And this is is fascinating because it, it could have happened without them seeing it. They could have just like, all right, he says, God opened up the Red Sea for us. Let's march on. Hey, I see way off in the distance the dust from the chariots of Egypt. Let's not worry about that. Let's just go on. And then they would have never known. But they were standing right there on the edge of the brink of the sea when they saw the waters close over the army of Pharaoh. And he said to them, that's not going to be a problem for you anymore, forever. That is never going to be your problem again. Don't get your mind uh, caught up on what the armies of Pharaoh did. Don't worry about it. They're buried in the sea now. God, God was demonstrating this. Personally, for them to see, the second thing God establishes Himself among the people for the ongoing work of deliverance. He said, "This is going to be a daily thing. This ongoing work of deliverance. You're constantly going to have things from your flesh that are going to pop up. Your flesh nature that's going to try to take over, and I'm going to deliver you on a daily basis, an ongoing basis." He says, "You you will see the salvation of the Lord." over and over and over and over again. It isn't a one-time deal. You're going to see God's salvation in your life at work over and over and over and over because you're going to cross a lot of Red Seas when you are in obedience and following God and doing what God has called you to do. And then the third thing, uh, well, let me go back here for a second. The third thing, he invites them to faith and he expects us to trust him and to stand firm. Stand firm in the things that that he's asked us to do. He removes the danger from around us. The fourth thing, he protects us so that we'll never ever again be fearful of of the things that are going on. And then he fights for us. The Israelites, uh, they they walked out of, of Egypt really, you know, Uh, with whatever they could gather and get. God even asked them to to ask the Egyptians for some blessings. They took some gold and some silver. I imagine there was a handful of swords and some things like that, but they were no way at this point an army, right? And so God says, you're in no position to fight. You're never going to be. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to take care of the battles for you. And what we see in the deliverance of Israel is, is that we see... God working on their behalf, He destroys, as we said a moment ago, the armies of Israel, uh, and and He says you're not going to see a one of them remain. And then the the second thing here is He God establishes Himself among the people as an ongoing work of deliverance. And in here, in as, as we look back in this passage from the beginning, when God let them go, when He when He set them outside, as soon as they stepped outside of the confines of Egypt, here's what God had prepared for them. The Lord went before them by the day in a pillar of a cloud to lead the way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could go by day or night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people." Now, I, I, how many of you have been camping before? Like just, I mean, real rugged stuff, not like I took my trailer and went to, or I took my <laughs> camper, Okay, let's try it again. How many of you have really been camping? You've been out and you know how dark it gets, right? And, and on, on nights when, you know, there's, there's clouds above and, it's, and so it's covering the stars and, and any light that we might naturally get on the planet, it can get very, very dark. Can you imagine God providing a pillar of light, a cloud? You know, you come out of your tent and you say, man, I, w- I really need to go to the restroom, but I can't see. Ten feet in front of me. Boop, God says, here's a light. <laughs> um, I mean, everything that they needed. And by day, that cloud that, that was over them to protect them from the rays of the sun that would come down and, and uh, would, would make it unbearable to walk in, in, a, in a wilderness place. And God has that covering over them like a giant umbrella. You know, they're just walking around with this giant God umbrella. He's protecting him. He's watching over him, and 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 by night that pillar of fire. So, God, what God is doing in this ongoing. Deliverance is first through Moses, their pastor, reminding them and telling them the faithfulness of God and of his encounters that he's had with God. And then the presence of God leading them through Egypt, this pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. And then later, if we were to go on, we would see the Ten Commandments uh, that are are provided as, as God is beginning to unfold and reveal himself to the people and showing them about his ongoing work of deliverance in their life. The finished work of Jesus demonstrates not only the power of of Jesus to forgive our sin and to deliver us from the nature of sin, but also sin's bondage, right? Not just forgiven, but released from the bondage. What is the bondage? Addictions, shame, greed, bitterness, anger. These are all things that try to pull us back into slavery. These are all things that, from our past and, and uh, that of our old nature that seem to try to draw us back into enslavement and entangle us. And He is working all the time to bring about deliverance from those things, to set us free. He's fighting your battles today. Right now, He's fighting the battles for you, delivering you and helping set you free. And you can function and walk in that kind of freedom. You are free in Christ Jesus, but the question remains, are you living a delivered life? Are you understanding what deliverance is all about and what that means to the freedom that God has given you? Are you sitting in the cell with the door open? Or are you living a free life, a life that is no longer entangled with the the entanglements of slavery, but you're, you're completely set free? I didn't mean this. when I actually wrote this message uh, several weeks ago, and so I didn't know all this stuff was going to come up, but uh, I had a quote in here, uh, a little section from Beth Moore. How many of you have been keeping up with what's been going on uh, along that line? Uh, on social media, Beth Moore uh, was called out and uh, by one notable pastor and And uh, she was, uh, you know, who, who uh, that segment do not believe women have any place in ministry. They're, they're not supposed to be in pulpits or teaching and preaching. Uh, I would struggle a lifetime for them to show me that in the scriptures, but they believe they've found it. And um, so that was going on, and I didn't intend that, but this was something I had read by Beth Moore a while back, and. She talks about five obstacles that keep us from uh, bondage. And here they are. Unbelief, pride, idolatry, prayerlessness, and legalism. This is the one she's fighting this week. <laughs> These are entanglements or obstacles that, that um, you know, provide bondage. And and God says, I want want you out of that. I'm going to exercise uh, deliverance in in your life so that, you know, you can can deal with unbelief. And there's one passage of scripture in the New Testament where uh, Jesus is uh, approached and asked to heal someone. And uh, he asked the person, do you believe? And, And he says, Lord, I believe, but what is help my unbelief? It's it's a it's a, a walk for our lives. There are times that we know God is big enough, but there's an issue in front of us that's very very real. It's us. Okay, I believe better for you sometimes than I can believe for me, right? And it's it's just, it, and so it's where we pray that prayer, very real prayer, and say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. In other words, God, deliver me, deliver me from unbelief. I, could, I, I, I stand amazed, God, how I could believe for my brother over here to be healed of cancer, but I can't believe for me that the test results from my colonoscopy are coming back good, right? God, God help me with my unbelief. Help me where I'm malfunctioning. Deliver me from a mindset that doesn't believe. God, deliver me from pride. It's, 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 it's often you know, cloaked like it's really, like I'm, I'm, I'm very self-effacing, and yet my social media shows a lot of that. God, deliver me from it. Deliver me from, from pride, where I'm trying to show somebody I'm something that I'm not. Help me to be who you've called me to be, and let me be humble before you. God, deliver me of idolatry. You don't, you don't believe there's any idolatry? David Wilkerson said, go to your home and see if all the furniture isn't bowing to the Babylonian God. <laughs> There's all kinds of idolatry. We have more idols than they ever dreamed of in ancient times, right? And we put the little bumper sticker on the back of our car, it says, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. We're slaves to the things that we're worshiping, idolatry. Uh, we're involved in, and, and it's... it's, it's taking a toll on us financially, it's taking a toll on us mentally, it's taking a toll on us relationally, because it requires worship. Everything that we've created like this requires worship. Time spent, given. God help us with with this one, prayerlessness. That we are um, not a a people of prayer. And why are we not? It's, It's really up here. We're struggling to believe that God could really accomplish that. We have all kinds of issues in our world today. Why aren't we praying more about them and, and, instead of, and tweeting less about them? Hello? <laughs> if we prayed as much as we tweeted, <laughs> if we prayed as much as we posted and reposted, something powerful might be happening in our world today. And legalism, what is legalism? Legalism is, is taking uh, the letter of the law that kills Taking, taking uh, the Bible and, and, and trying to make people live by a code that you have defined as, as that's, that's the dogma. That's what we need to live by in order to inherit God's favor. Instead of being open to the, things, the, the wonders and the things that God is doing, the freedom of walking in a relationship with Him and, and recognizing that uh, when we get to heaven our doctrine might not be perfect. (laughs) It might need some fixing. So it's saying, hey, um, wherever there are essentials of doctrine, we believe together, right? Essentials of salvation and those kinds of things, we all believe the same. There's no way uh, to God but through Jesus Christ. And where we think differently, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, whatever it might be, that we're gonna make room for each other. You don't have to believe like I believe on the things that are non-essentials. You can have a different opinion, and I'm interested to listen to it, because I'm still working out my salvation with fear and trembling. I still wanna know the whole counsel of God and hang on to it, right? We are often captives by choice, not captives because we're actually really captive. But we're captives by choice. We're sitting in that cell with the door open. And we're sitting there by choice. Each of these obstacles is of our own making. God is calling us to live free. I want to invite our worship team to come. The work of, of Jesus Christ as the Deliverer is so underspoken of, I think, as maybe a good way to do it. But you can't go through the book of Mark without um, seeing time and time again the work of, of Jesus as a deliverer. And often casting out demons and, and those kind of things, and there's been a lot of, of um, angst in the church world for uh, centuries about whether um, or not demonic activity is internal or external. You know, is it is it, uh, you know, do these, do these things abide inside and they, they, they cause struggle and bondage and difficulty? Or are they outside whispering things and they, their, their voices are uh, oppressing us to the point that we make bad decisions and do things that we, we shouldn't do? Here's something that I, I would suggest, and it came from, not from Jack Hayford, not from me, but he said, why don't we just table that argument? Because for the person who's living in bondage, they really don't care. <laughs> all right? Whether it's internal or external, you can go ahead and figure that out. As a, as a theologian, does those are important things. Go ahead and try to figure that out. But when you're bound, you just want to be free. free. Yeah. That's it. You just want to be free. And all of us have these struggles. And I'm not saying uh, to anyone here that you're um, struggle, uh, you know, is, is uh, you know, demonic bondage or something like that. What I'm saying is that the devil is, is all about putting bondage on all of us, whether it's the fear that we're captives of a, a past life of things, addictions that we d- can't seem to break free of. This morning, in, in our conclusion of the God Talks, this is, this morning is about us coming to the presence of God and saying, God, wherever I am bound in my mind, wherever I'm bound physically, that I return to sin, I return to things uh, that are not good for me, that they are destructive to my life, where I find myself asking you a lot to forgive me in that single area. Forgive me for gossiping, God forgive me for getting angry, forgive me for my bitterness, forgive me for my sexual lust, whatever it is, then God, today I want you to deal a death blow to it. You're you're my Savior, but you're also my Deliverer. And you can set me free. So as I ask you to stand this morning and our worship team begins to lead us in song, what I want to invite you to do is to come and and stand together here and that we would all make this our altar of surrender today where we would say God today be my deliverer and you name the area you know in your life areas of struggle that are repetitive they're they're happening again and again in your life they're cycles and like God I want to be finished with it I want to be done with it and so I want to invite you to deliver me today deal a death blow to the enemy cover them over in the waters so that I will face them never again forever. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. So as they sing, would you come and let's pray.